Good morning. It's great to finally be here after months of watching online. I feel like I know many of you already and many names from the chat. Those of you that I've been saying hi to, I am the D that's been helping to host. Um, and it's been really great to get to know some of you actually in person now that I'm here. But as John said, we're together as a family again. We um, welcomed our dog from the UK yesterday. It was so good to see him. Um, but I'm just really proud of John and Imani and how they've started life here and set up our home and got it ready. Um, and yeah, they've done incredibly well. Um, and also, yes, this week there's been lots of new things. I started um, working in my new job. Um, so I'm working at the Saskatoon Pregnancy Options Center. I'm the new executive director. So I'm really, really, really proud to work for such a great organization. Um, and uh, it's been a fantastic first week. The team there are amazing and have made me feel really very, very welcome. Um, but more than that, I'm excited to be in the house of God. The house of God is where my heart is. It's the expression of Jesus into this world and the world that desperately needs his love. So to be able to be here and to be able to be sharing the word of God with us this morning is an immense privilege of mine. But before I get into the word, let's stand to our feet and we'll pray before we do. It's good to set our hearts and our minds on Jesus as a central part of our service. So yes, Lord Jesus, as we stand before you, we welcome you. We thank you that you, you are already here. You're omnipresent, Lord. And we just welcome you into our hearts, into our minds. And we pray that as we open your word this morning, Lord, that you will reveal more of your beautiful nature to us and you'll draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like to take your seats again. But yeah, as a bit of an update as well on our situation as a family, we accepted an offer on our house last week, so which is amazing. It took me to actually step out of the country before that happened. Literally the day that Judah and I flew out of England, we had a family came and view the house that day. And then the following day, they came for a second viewing. And the third day, they put an offer in, which we accepted for the full asking price that we had it on the market for. So we're really, really happy, which sets us up well for here. I know many people have been asking. And yeah, that's a big deal. So I feel like that's a step forward. But we, um, seems like months and months ago, we took um, all of our things that we were bringing over here and packed them into boxes while the shipping company did and they began the journey of shipping our things out here. We had to be really selective because we had half a container so we've only brought a couple of bits of precious furniture that we love and just some sentimental things and clothes and, and bits and pieces that you know you have over the years that you love. Um, and we have been kept up to date with the process. It feels like our container's been sitting at the dock in England forever. I think it's finally, is it on the sea now? I think it's just on the sea, making its way here. So it's a long process. So hopefully in the next few weeks, we'll receive our things. It'll be like Christmas. <laughs> but one thing I'm really, really looking forward to seeing is, um, like I said, our sentimental things, the things that you go to in your home that just make you feel like you're home. Are you with me? You have those things in your home. You just know that you're home because those things are where they should be. And when you have a new home to set up, it takes a while 
to get those things into a place where you feel like that belongs there, that's home. And one of the things um, that we're bringing is a, a cabinet that has a glass sort of front and sides that contains my precious expensive crockery, my dinnerware set. And for me, that's like, once that's in the home, <laughs> I'll be happy that it feels more like my home again. Um, and I remember when I first started collecting this particular set of dinnerware. Do you call it dinnerware here, crockery? I know there's some words that are slightly different, but you know, plates and bowls and, there was a salad bowl that was quite a big-sized one that was the beginning of my collection. And it was my auntie, actually. She passed away recently, but she gave me this salad bowl as a gift. She's German, and it's... Have you heard of Villaroy and Bosch crockery? It's quite nice. Um, and she gave me this bowl, and I remember when I received it as a birthday present a few years ago, it felt like, oh, wow, that's amazing. It's beautiful. It had wildflowers on it. Um, and I just knew it was a really special piece that I would keep. And I was so excited. And she explained to me that, you know, it's a tradition in our family that over the years for presents, for birthdays and Christmases, you'll often receive more um, as gifts to increase your collection so that you have a nice set gifted to you. Um, and over the years, I've really loved kind of adding to this collection um, bit by bit, and it's just beautiful. And as I've been thinking about the message that I was going to bring today, which is along our theme, God is, and today I'm speaking about God is love, it made me think of my crockery set, my plates and cups and bowls, particularly that salad bowl, because I thought, you know, often we can treat God's love or we can see God's love in a similar way. We have it looking beautiful and it sits on a shelf somewhere and every now and then we'll go to the shelf or go to the cabinet and take it out and bring it out and we'll use it really carefully and then we'll put it back and it sits on a shelf and then we'll only ever use it when we feel we need it. So if I'm using this analogy, if you want to think of a time maybe when you feel broken, then you might reach out for God's love or maybe you feel overlooked or rejected or shameful in some way. That's when you might get out God's love and use it and then put it back on its shelf when it's finished. You know, it's in a special place there that's a bit untouchable just for people to see it. And sometimes we can think of you know, the, the separation between us and God's love, partly because it's so vast, it's difficult to, for us to understand what God's love is like. And I'm hoping, my hope for this message today is that we can open the word of God and delve a little bit into what that love is, what it looks like in flesh, and how we can apply it to our lives. Is that okay? Are you with me? Fantastic. So if you've grown up in a Christian home, like some of us have, you might have heard the songs as a child about God's love. You know, Jesus' love is very wonderful. You like one? It's so high, you can't get over it so low. Can I? And there's other songs too similar, you know, God's love is so big, so strong and so mighty. Yeah, it's lots and lots of songs and you kind of get a picture of what God's love is kind of like. But then we realize God is huge. God is immense. He's created this entire universe. He's outside of time. So his love equally must be immense. And then sometimes we can feel like we can't really relate because it's so 
in our minds may be distant. We have a human perspective on something that is above our human understanding, beyond our full understanding. We think according to our experiences. And sometimes that can contain baggage. It can be a difficult thing, our frame of reference when it comes to God's love, especially sometimes if we have difficulties with human love or how we've experienced that in the past. It can be layered with pain, maybe or rejection, or it could be a positive thing too. But in this room, there are hundreds of people and as there are many people, there are so many equally perspectives on what God's love is like. Are you agreeing with me? We're all different, aren't we? We all have a different frame of reference. We all have a different lens that we see through. Yet, <laughs> that may be true, but not one of our perspectives can define what God's love is like because God's love doesn't come from us. It's gifted to us. And for me, that fills me with hope that if God's love comes from him, then he can gift us something that isn't bounded by our past, by our baggage, by our emotions, by our difficulties. If it's a gift from him, then it's pure. And I sense God drawing us closer and as I've been praying about today and preparing my message, I've sensed God wanting to draw us closer to him and experience a little bit more of what his love is as a gift to us. And I read one of Charles Spurgeon's um, sermons back from 1862, and it's a sermon that he pre preached on the love of Jesus. Um, and Charles Spurgeon was a f is a favorite of mine. I often read his, his teachings back from the 1800s. And this is what he said about this topic. He said, the love of Christ is comparable to Jacob's ladder. Some of us are standing on the lower rounds and there are others who are ascending and who rest halfway. Others still are getting up so high that we can scarce see them by reason of the dimness of our sight. And there are some perhaps at this hour who have just reached the topmost round of this knowledge and are now stepping, as it were, into the arms of Christ who awaits them at the top. They have attained unto their perfection. Here they shall find repose. They shall rest in his love, and with the eternal songs of heaven, they shall rejoice forever and ever and forever. Wow. Isn't that a vivid picture? And you know, my father passed away a couple of years ago, and I very much got the sense that he was at that top of the ladder, and he entered into the rest of his Savior. And it's then that we'll see it fully, but now God equally wants to give us a glimpse of what that love can be like for us today. We don't need to wait till we get to heaven one day to experience his love, but it's available for, it, for us now. You know, my hope is that we take this beautiful, costly love of, of God and we take it out of the cabinet of our lives and we apply it to our lives and we don't just use it for special occasions, but we apply it for every day in every circumstance. But to do that, we first need to know a little bit more about what God's love is, what it looks like. And I'm going to take us to um, 1 John in the New Testament, 1 John and chapter 4, verse 7. 
And this is what it says. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I love that. It doesn't say God has love or God loves. It says God is love. It's one of his attributes. It's who he is. He is love. And I also love the fact that it starts with the word beloved. It starts from the standpoint that we are already loved. And then he allows us to glimpse what that love is like. He already loves us first. And, you know, the love that John in this scripture is speaking of is the ancient word, Greek word, sorry, agape, which is the concept of a self-giving love that gives without demanding or expecting repayment. It's the God kind of love. Isn't that amazing? And it's not bound, like I said, by our perspective. But then we also need to think, okay, if that is God's love and that's who he is, how do we actually see it? Because we only ever know love because of how it's demonstrated, don't we? Like someone tells you they love you and you're like, okay, thanks. (laughs) Or you might say, I love you too. But actually, how do you know? It's how it's demonstrated, how it's shown. And Jesus spent much of his life trying to show people, trying to teach people, trying to allow people to see, demonstrated what love looks like from God. And in continuing in 1 John chapter 4, it's the next scripture along, verse 9. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. This is how he demonstrated it. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Wow, that's a big kind of love, isn't it? It's a kind of love that comes and gives himself for us. Doesn't sit in heaven far off watching what we're doing, like, oh dear, they made a bit of a mistake there, might go and help them. No, this is a love that sent his son to be among us and that we get to live through him today. When we receive him into our lives, that's exactly what we do. It's not just for special occasions. It's not just for special people, but it's available for each and every one of us every day. You see, with my salad bowl that I love so much, there was one day a few years ago when the girls were quite young and I'd used the bowl and it had been sitting on the side in my kitchen. My kitchen was quite small and so I had the cooker hob quite near the sink. And you know, as happens in busy kitchens when you have small children, washing up kind of piles up a little bit during the day. Anyone else like that? Until someone has their like, oh, okay, let's get the washing up done. But my bowl was sitting there on the cooker hob waiting to be washed. And I'd gone upstairs to do something and I could smell a funny... Do you know when you smell a funny smell? And you think, that smells like something's either very hot or there might be a bit of a fire starting, maybe. That kind of funny smell. And so I thought, oh, I better go down and investigate what that smell is. It's not a nice smell. <laughs> it's a worrisome smell. So I walked down quite like intrigued, walked downstairs and had a look. Went into the kitchen. I could smell the smells coming from there. And then I saw my beautiful bowl on a red 
cooker plate. Obviously, it had been switched on by mistake, and it was steaming hot. And this is made out of porcelain, so it's not metal, or it's not something that would withstand a lot of heat very easily. So I thought, what do I do? So I grabbed the oven mitts, switched the cooker hob off, grabbed the oven mitts, lifted it up really carefully, and then set it down on a different work surface by the sink. Big mistake, because I heard that dreaded sound that everyone hates to hear, crack. The difference between the heat of the bowl and the cold work surface had caused a fracture and it crashed the whole thing down. I was devastated. My beautiful bowl that had been a gift from my auntie was in pieces beyond repair. Ouch. In that moment, in that very moment, a voice inside me said, you didn't deserve to have such an expensive, beautiful gift. Does anybody else have those moments? And then another voice from my childhood said to me, you can't have anything nice until you show that you can look after it properly. Because I felt like in that moment, I hadn't looked after my bowl properly. It had sat on the very place where it could get damaged. Now listen to this scripture from Romans 5, verse 6. It says, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for this, for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, this love we're talking about broke himself for us. He didn't sit there on a shelf waiting for us to maybe think, can we access his love? No, he came and he broke himself for us. Personal access to his love only came because he broke himself for us when he came to this earth in human form. And he now no longer says we have to do certain things to access his love. We no longer have to go through certain rituals to access his presence and his love in our lives. But his broken body gave us direct access to him. The crazy thing is, he knew before he created this earth what we would do. He knew that he knew that the things that we do, the things that we've done to each other, the things that are happening in the world, he knew all of that would happen. But he still created us anyway. That blows my mind. Like, God loves us so much that he wants us anyway, despite what we do as humans. And when you even think God is complete within himself, he's a triune being, he's three persons in one being. He's the Father, he's the Son, and he's the Holy Spirit. He is community amongst himself. He has no need of anything beyond that. Therefore, if he has no need of us, my goodness, that means he wants us. He wants us. He created us because he wants us, not because he needs our accolades or our praise. He doesn't. He's complete within himself, but he wants us, and he wants relationship with us. How incredible. Now, can that be a pristine, unachievable kind of love sitting on a shelf? No, it's 
a creating, involving, a getting into our mess kind of love, a breaking for our brokenness kind of love. And not when we're ready to be trusted with it, like my bowl. Not when we prove we're worthy to carry his love. Only then would he give it to us. No, he broke himself for us so that we could have his presence in our brokenness. You see, like I said, we're each different. We each have a very different reference point. We each have a very different background, history, different pain, different difficulties, different wins, different victories. Therefore, God's love is meant to be encountered in a unique way by each and every one of us. How I encounter God's love will be different to how John encounters God's love, which will be different from how Derek encounters God's love, which will be different from how anybody else encounters God's love. That's how vast God's love is. We can encounter his love the way that he knows we need to accept it as a free gift, not when we can prove we can look after it, but all the time, no matter what. So how do we apply this revelation to our lives? It's all very good talking about this, but will this make a difference to our Monday, our Tuesday, and for the rest of this week? Will this make a difference when we're trying to get the kids ready for school as they're starting this week, most of them again? Will this revelation, will this word make a difference to how we wake up in the mornings, whether we're excited for our day, whether we wake up with fear, with you know how we go to bed, how we have our conversations with people? I've got a couple of things I just want to help us to apply this to our lives, if that's okay. And the first thing that I'd like to encourage all of us to do is so simple. It's actually, sounds quite basic, but it's the most fundamental thing. And the first thing I'd love us to do is to open our hearts. Open our hearts. Open our hearts to the possibility that maybe God wants us to access his love and to have it in our lives, his big beautiful, costly love. Open our hearts to the possibility that he might want to entrust that to us in any situation, whether we're feeling broken, whether we're feeling good, whether we're feeling like things are difficult, whether we're feeling that we're winning in life at the moment. He wants us to have his love. So the first thing is open our hearts. You see, God's created each of us with a need to love him. You know, that's what motivates us. That's what motivates us to find a partner in life. That's what motivates us to love our children. He's created within us that need for connection, for love, to have, receive love, and to love in turn. But that initially comes from God. Therefore, that need within us can only be fully fulfilled when it's connected with God's love. Because that part of us will always be searching and that's what keeps us searching for him. That's why it's so easy to fill it with things that aren't healthy. That's why it's so easy to fill it with things that seem good, but they're not quite God's love. They might be a fake version, or they might be good and healthy, but until we ultimately fill that need with his love, we'll always be searching for more. Let's open our hearts for him. And the second thing, Again, quite simple, really, is to allow his love to flow through our lives to other people. So we weren't created to be stoppers, to contain this measure of love within our lives and then to just walk around and be happy with that. 
No, he created us to be rivers that flow, that his love can flow through us and flow to those people around us. When people encounter us, do they sense something about us where they think, oh, there's just something about that person. Maybe they don't know what it is, but we do. That God's love can flow through us into people's lives in their different situations in a unique way to how they would encounter his love. 1 John 4 verse 11 explains this. And John says here, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Isn't that amazing? You see, our world is broken, but God's here too. (laughs) And I love that. He's in so much around us. You see, we see terror-striking people, but we also see people rising up to pray and to step in and help. We see natural disasters all the time, but we also see people stepping in and adding themselves how they can help other people. We see pain and suffering, but we also see faith that moves the heart of God to stepping in to those moments. And see, we see miracle after miracle if we choose to see them. We can see God if we look for him. And he wants to flow through us. And some things can really distract us and stop us. And one thing is fear. I know in my life, fear has kept me captive far too much. And fear stops us from flowing through with his love and allowing other people to encounter his love. Let's not look at just the problems, but let's also look at where God is within that. When we encounter a situation, we can see the situation as being monumental and quite rightly many situations in our lives are. But let's also open our eyes to a wider perspective where we can ask God, where are you in this? Where are you in this? And what God doesn't promise is that he'll swoop in and pull us away from that situation. He doesn't promise that. Sometimes he does, sometimes those miracles happen, but mostly God says, I'm with you. I'm going to step into that situation with you. I'm going to show you where I am in that situation. I'll show you where my love is for you right now. I'll give you a measure of that love so that you can flow through with that love to other people and allow us to take this costly, beautiful love that was broken for us and apply it in every single circumstance. I'm going to finish in a moment. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back on the stage as they get ready. We'll be taking communion in a little while. And after I'm finished, John will come up and he'll lead us in that moment of communion. You'll have little pots that you will have been given as you came in. And this is going to just seal the fact that God is available for us, the fact that he broke himself. And I'll let John go through that in a while. But I'm going to read a couple of scriptures over us and just allow God. I feel like a message like this, we need some kind of response to him. Not response to the speaker or anything like that or each other, a private response to him. Because he's inviting us into relationship with him right now. He does every moment, but it takes moments like this sometimes where we can take the distractions away and we can say, God, it's just me and you here right now. I'd like us to close our eyes. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures 
over us and allow God to speak to us. And then I'll invite those of you who have never yet made Jesus your Lord, you've never invited him into your heart, I'm going to pray for you after that. But right now, this is for all of us. If you'd just like to close your eyes, I'm going to read Ephesians 1, verse 18 to 21. And then I'll read another scripture straight after. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he, was ra when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only present in this present age, but also in the one to come. And Ephesians 3, verse 14 says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Lord, I thank you for your word and we receive it. Lord, as we open our hearts and our minds to you, Lord, and we ask you to create that river within us, Lord, that can flow through us. Lord, I thank you that you love us so much and you're ministering to us in this moment. Lord, I thank you that you're such a gracious, good and kind God that you would draw us so close to you to encounter your love in every circumstance, whether we've messed up, whether we've had a good day. I thank you, Lord, that you love us that much and even more. In your name, amen.